There's great power in a name. It says who we are. It's what we are known by to all those around us. And there's nothing so powerful as the name of the Lord God. In a world that often feels chaotic and fear-filled, God's name is the one to hold close. In this series on the names of God, CMC pastors will be sharing the importance and emphasis of each name and revealing how they meet the needs of our everyday circumstances and situations. Join lead pastor Tim Brooks in this series on the names of God. You know, it's hard to believe that our study is uh, winding down here. We, we are flying through the names of God. Uh, after this lesson, we're only two more to go. We've seen there's over 80 of these descriptive names of God in the Old Testament, and we've just looked at a few of them. Adonai, God is our ruler. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Saba, our warrior. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. Jehovah Nisi, my banner. Jehovah Makedesh, the one who sanctifies. Jehovah Rohi, my healer. In this lesson, we'll look at Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord our righteousness. Sitkanu, our righteousness. You know, the Israelites turned from God, began to follow their own choices, and as always, when they did that, their lives unraveled and fell apart. There were blessings on them personally. There were blessings on their nation. But when they began to do what was right in their own eyes, when they began to live after their own desires, then everything unraveled for them. And we've got 4,000 years of history to study this. And you can study that pattern over and over and over and over all 4,000 years. When they were right with God, when they were living to please God, Blessings. Life just worked for them. But whenever they lived in prosperity, they were enjoying safety, they were enjoying peace. Then they get to going off over here and doing this and a little of that and a little of this and a little of that. And then first thing you know, morally they begin to unravel. And then here comes the downfall. It's just not hard to follow that pattern. Jeremiah 23 warns the leaders of leading in the wrong way. He says, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture. Israel's leaders were leading them away from God, and God's warning them through his prophet in Jeremiah 23, I'm going to raise up some shepherds. And God begins to reveal his plan in verse 4, 5, 6, um, chapter 23. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, When I will raise up from David a righteous branch, he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. And we see Jehovah Sitkanu revealed right here today. We're living in a time where everyone is choosing to do what's right in their own eyes. Are you telling me what's right for me? It's my desire. It's my right to choose my own life. This this is not new, folks. What's going on right now is not new. It's happened over and over again in history. Judges 21 verse 25 says, Everyone did 
what was right in his own eyes. So where we are in civilization today is exactly where we've been many, many times. And the warnings of the Old Testament prophets, if you don't get this right, if you don't repent, if you don't turn, if we don't get this right, then we're headed for destruction. And that's the habit pattern we've seen. And this has been, oh, I don't know, my goodness, what's going on in today's world. It's the same thing that started in Genesis chapter 3. And it's been going on ever since. When people did right in God's eyes, great blessings followed them. When they did not do right in God's eyes, their life turned into a wreck. You know, today we've got some folks that think the majority should decide right and wrong. And we are, even in this last election, we voted on moral issues. uh, and, And the people decided what's right and wrong. And you hear people, well, the culture today... Well, our world today, we just think that the culture and the majority should decide what is right or what is wrong. Then there are some that think each individual should decide for himself what is right or wrong for them. And it's nobody's right to tell you what you can do or not do. You as an individual decide right and wrong. Here's what God wants us to know. He is the standard. God is the standard. And everything else has got to be measured from his standard. He has always been the standard. He will always be the standard. The Hebrew word for sick canoe is righteousness. He is right. He is righteous. That's who he is. That's his nature. That's his character. The word righteousness can be defined as the standard required for people to be acceptable to God. The standard required for people to be acceptable to God. Because he is Jehovah Sidkenu. 1 John 1, 5, how can we have fellowship with him if we continue to walk in darkness? Psalms 15, who may dwell in your sanctuary, who may live in fellowship with you? He who leads a holy life. Hebrews 12, 14. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Righteousness comes from God. The standard of right comes to us from God because that's who he is. Because that is who... When you're describing somebody... You say, well, they're six feet tall, they've got brown hair, they've got that guy's, they've got... When you're describing God, he's not six foot tall, brown hair. God is love. God is just. God is righteous. God is right. See, this is is the way you describe... What does God look like? Well, I can't see God. Sure, you can see God. Clearly, you can see God. You can walk in a room and you can see love. You can walk in a room and you can see hate. You can walk in a room and you can see anger. I mean, you can see, you see God and you describe God, He is right. He is the word righteousness. That's why He requires that from us. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because that's God. See, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God. That is who he is. He is righteous. And you're blessed when you pursue, you hunger and thirst for righteousness in your own life. I'm teaching 
our grandkids to feed the livestock. And, and I'm going over and over with them as they're going down through feeding our horses and we're pulling this feed wagon and we're dipping out the feed and we're dumping it in the horse's stall. We go to the next stall and we dip out the feed and we dump it in there. I tell them over and over, don't dump the feed in that bucket. First, look in that bucket before you ever put any feed in there and make sure that bucket's clean. That's the first thing you look for every single day. Because when a horse or when a cow, when a dog, when an animal is eating, there's nothing very bad wrong with it. When an animal does not eat, it's sick. Something is wrong. We got a problem here. And whenever you look in that stall and you see that bucket of feed still full from when you put it in there yesterday, I don't care what that horse looks like down there at the other end of that pen, something's wrong with him. Something's wrong with him, and we got to have some attention right here. When you stop eating, it's a sign you're sick. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you stop eating, okay, are you following me here? You, you, you with this example, when, when you're not feeding, when you're not in church, when you're not reading the Word, when you don't desire to be with God's people, look here, here's what you can know 100% of the time. It, but people are not too busy. It's not, well, they got home late. It's not, well, you know, my new work schedule. I've, we got all the excuses down. It's not your new work schedule. You're not hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and that's obvious to all of us. Because there was a time you were here. You were involved. You were connected. You were a part. But just little by little by little, you just got to go do this and you need to go do that. Little by little by little, we're seeing you less and less and less. We got a problem. We, we got a problem because you're not eating. And when a horse doesn't eat, you know there's a problem. And when a person is not hungering and pursuing, not thirsting, not pursuing righteousness, then you can know there's a downward spiral. Here, you can write this down if you're taking notes. When your hunger for God decreases, your appetite for worldliness increases. When your hunger for God decreases, and I've watched this happen for many, many years. When someone's hunger for God decreases, I see people get turned on the Lord, and man, they can't be in church enough. They can't be in connect group enough. They can't be involved enough. Boy, they are just here. They're taking notes. They're amening. They're reading the Bible. But then when that begins to decrease, a little less, a little less, when hunger for God decreases, your appetite for worldliness increases. I've been thinking a lot about this, and, and, and I've got a good example if you don't get lost in it. The problem with junk food, and we all like it. I'm, I'm not knocking it. We, we like it. The problem with junk food is you fill up without the nutrients you need for health. Cookies. Candy, donuts, y'all know the best in the world, honey buns. They're pleasurable, they're sweet, there's nothing better than a Twinkie. Three to five years on the shelf, better with age, there's nothing better 
than those cupcakes, the black ones with the little white squiggly line on the top. Y'all know exactly. You bite in it, that cream is in the middle, seven years old on that shelf in the gas station. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I mean, there's just nothing better. That's, I like to go on trips because we always stop at a gas station and get some of those. But here's the deal. I'm trying to eat healthy, and there's two to a pack. So Terry and I share a pack. That way I didn't eat the whole pack. We just share a pack at every gas station. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. It does not feed the body what it needs to stay healthy and strong and functioning properly, although you're full. Now, here's the problem. The more junk food you eat, the more you want. Here's my problem. I just look. I can't eat all that sugar. I'm just going to have a little bitty tiny slice of that pecan pie at Thanksgiving. Well, then I wanted another little bitty tiny slice. And I only had a tiny slice, but I had 10 of those tiny slices. See, the more junk food you eat, then the more you want, and you eat less of what you need. Are y'all getting this? It's very same spiritually. When you fill up your day on nonsense on TV, horror movies, getting the world's perspective from your worldly friends on living life, and I tell you what I'd do, I'd tell you how I'd handle that, I can tell you what I'd tell her, I ain't nobody going to talk to me like that, I can tell you what you ought to do. And here you're getting input about your marriage from somebody who's been married nine times, and you're getting input about your finances from somebody who's broke and can't pay attention, and you're getting input about what you ought to do with your car, and they don't even own a car. I mean, you're, now look at the Einstein that you are getting your input from. And they're, oh, they're sitting on your bed, I'll tell you, my God, I'll tell you what I'd do. I, I can see what you would do, and I see how that's worked in your life. The more you get the world's perspective, you lose your appetite for God's perspective. And you no longer hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we no longer pursue Jehovah's Sitkanut. Some of you guys at Teen Challenge, you're doing really good right now. You're doing really, really good. Some of y'all from Shalom Ministries, you're doing really, really good right now. This might be the best you've done in a long, long time. Uh, some of y'all from Leaders Academy, you're doing really good right now. You're happy. You, you feel good about life. You, you, you feel good about yourself. And, and this is the best you felt in a long time. You got friends, and, and you're happy, and, and, and you're, you're enjoying life. And Why? Because you are pursuing Jehovah's Sitkanu and you are surrounded with godly people and you're surrounded with godly input and that's what it produces in your life. But five minutes after you graduate from the program, after you graduate from the intern program, after you leave, five minutes after you leave, then you get around a bunch of your jerk friends. I mean, five minutes after you leave, then you turn off your morning prayer your Bible study, your schedule that you had, and you go back to feeding yourself on the junk food 
Jeremiah in chapter 23 warns us. He warns us about our culture declining. And Jeremiah is warning. When we remove Jehovah's Sitkanu, his standards from our government, from our schools, from our businesses, from our homes, from our media, when we remove God's worldview and it is replaced by man-made worldview, then Jehovah's Sitkanu is no longer our pursuit. Who's blessed? Who's blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's who is blessed in life. When are you the happiest? When are you at the most peace? When are you at the most level of joy in your life? The times in your life when you were pursuing Jehovah's Sitkanu. When you were pursuing a standard of righteousness in your life. This is such a clear, easy-to-see example. Absolutely, it looks good. Let me just tell you, there's nothing better looking than pies with that big, tall meringue on them. I don't know how they get that to stand. I mean, you're talking about gorgeous. There's nothing that looks better than a pie with meringue on it. There's nothing that looks better than pecan pie that's already had a piece cut out of it and all of that gooey is kind of running out. Oh, man. There's nothing that looks better than a chocolate pie. And that chocolate is coming out. Oh, man. Might have brought some homemade cookies. They were that thick. And there was a big pile of them. Oh, man, that looked good. There's nothing. I'm just telling you the prettiest sight in the world is honey buns at Valero Gas Station to me. I, ju- I just look at those. All that icing in there. and I, Man, Coke's blackberry cobbler that's hot. And you put vanilla ice cream on it. And it melts half of the scoop. And so you got half of the ice cream still there, but half of it kind of going, oh, nothing looks better. Man, you walk by and it makes you turn and make a double take. I mean, guys, you know what it is to take a double take look. You know what I'm talking about. Here's the problem. The problem is when you take a bite of that, when you eat it, you don't just kill over. It doesn't just, fact is, you liked it. Fact is, it tasted really, really good. And it was so fun Friday night, I'm going to get me another piece Saturday night, and I think I'll have a little more Monday too. Well, uh, the, see, the problem is you like it. The problem is it tasted good, it was fun, it was enjoyable, and you didn't just kill over. Here's a problem. Here's the problem. You're filling yourself up. And you have no appetite that's longing for Jehovah's Sikadu. So you're staying full on this unhealthy lifestyle. You're staying full on this. And here's what you don't realize because you're liking the taste. You're enjoying it. It's fun. Man, this is the time of your life. This is the greatest party. What you don't realize is, and what nobody can tell you is happening because it tastes so good, nobody can tell you about what that's doing to your sugar level. See, nobody can tell you what that's doing on the inside of you, and you will never believe that nutritionally, You're not getting what you need to stay healthy and strong. Then, down the road, a problem happens. Down the road, problems happen. 
Down the road, you find yourself looking out a jail cell. Down the road, you find yourself laying in a hospital bed. Down the road, you find yourself in a ditch. Down the road, you find... And here's what's happened. Oftentimes, so much damage has been done to your stomach, to your kidneys, to your skin cells, to your teeth, that it's very hard to get all of that reversed in your life because what you've been eating has been very unhealthy for you. Nutritionally, it didn't keep you strong and vibrant. It didn't keep you happy and full of joy. There is a standard of right. He is Jehovah Sitkanu. And you pursue that. You pursue Him. And you feed on His Word. And you feed on input from other mature Christians who are bringing you closer to Jehovah Sitkanu. And before you know it, your marriage is stronger. Your relationships are stronger. Your mind is clearer. Your level of peace is is like you haven't experienced in a long time. Your level of joy is like you haven't experienced in a long time. Your level of happiness all of a sudden is on the increase. Why? Your life is healthy and strong because of what you've nutritionally been feeding yourself. Now, you got to get this. Let me say it again. A diet of unhealthy input is fun. It looks great. It is enjoyable, but you're doing damage to yourself. You are damaging your home, your family, your marriage, your business, your finances. You are damaging your life. And there is no question in my mind, blackberry cobbler with half-melted ice cream is the best in the world. And who are you to judge me? And who are you to tell me what's right for me? And who are you to tell me it's in the privacy of my home and do what I want to do? Well, just eat that all the time. Eat that every day. Eat that all the time. Live in that lifestyle. And here's what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is your marriage won't last very long with you doing that. Your job won't last very long with you doing that. Your peace won't last very long with you doing that. I like it. Who are you telling me it's wrong? It feels good. I, what I'm telling you is your joy won't last very long with you doing that. It, it won't last very long. Your security, your peace of mind, your soundness in life, it won't last very long. Your finances, your savings account, what you're building for your future, it won't last very long. There's a standard Jehovah Sitkanu has for our life. The church is his body on earth. That's his body on earth, the church. The body of Christ, the church, should be evaluated. You evaluate a church on how it lives according to God's standards. You evaluate a church on how it preaches God's standards. You evaluate a church on how it leads all of those in it to a standard of Jehovah Sitkanu. You don't evaluate a church on the size of the crowd they got coming. 
You don't evaluate a church on how slick and polished a preacher is. You don't evaluate a church on how cranking the music is. You don't evaluate a church on how successful the Sunday school program it is. God is righteousness, and you evaluate a church on how close and best it is leading the people in there to the standard of righteousness that God is. Regardless of the size of the crowd or the level of music that they have. How close are we to him? How close are we to the life that he's called us to live? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our sin was put on Jesus on the cross. He paid the price of sin's penalty. Now, God doesn't lower his standard because that's who he is. God would self-destruct. God would would evaporate if he was not righteous because that's who he is. That is who he is. And he becomes your sit canoe. He comes in to live inside you and he becomes your righteousness for you. Now we've talked about this a lot in our theme for this year as our church. The problem that we continually have is marrying the concept of faith and works. We have a problem of what God did for us and what our part in this is. We have a problem with that. And we use the word marriage. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 uses the example of marriage. Now, sometimes it's not a very good example because we have not had very good examples in marriages. But the marriage, Terry and I, my wife and I, we've been together over 40 years. And, and we're two. We're two totally separate, completely separate people. Very, very different. Very different. Yet, we have become and entered into a oneness, and she and I coexist together. And it's hard to understand that oneness, that our lives are so intertwined, our money is so intertwined, our entertainment, our family, our work, our daily activities, every part of our life is married. And just like that union, we have to, in our minds, marry faith and works just like wet and water. Two different words, two different concepts, but they're inseparable. And the church is done wrong by forming denominations that preach faith without works or works without faith. Because you don't have the whole picture until in your mind those two have become inseparable like wet and water. Now, let me, let me get into this. Jesus' blood cleanses us. It washes us clean. It makes a sinner like me righteous. I am righteous. I am right now standing right before God, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus did for me. I have been made righteous. I want to communicate this. I've been working hard on this for two weeks, getting ready for this lesson. Longer than that, two months. Now that that has happened for me, 
I spend the rest of my life working out the old habits of sinning and working out my new nature and character that's in me, that character of righteousness. That's what's in me. So that I live on the outside the righteousness that I've been made on the inside. Here's what hit me. Here's what hit me. How would you like total grace, total mercy for someone that you didn't even know just picked you out of a crowd and put a million dollars in your bank account? Whoa, whoa, time out. I'm going to do that, but you can't access it. Now, you, you can't use it at all. You can't have a car out of it. You can't have a house out of it. You can't have any clothes out of it. You can't go on vacation out of it. But you've got a million dollars, but you can't use it. What would you say? What good is it? And there's what's happened to us. You're born again. Just God's grace, God's mercy has put righteousness in you. The power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. But you never access it. You just go out here and live like hell every day. Following your own lust, following your own pleasure. Well, I'm saved. I'm righteous. God's made me righteous. I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. What benefit is it to you if that's not being used and implemented and acted in your daily life? How do I know you're a millionaire? The car you drive, the house you live in, the jewelry you wear, the clothes you wear. The places you go, it's pretty obvious you're a millionaire. Are you getting this example? Is it pretty obvious that you've been made righteous? Is it pretty obvious that you've been born again? Is it pretty obvious that Jehovah's Sitkanu lives inside you? Or have you received an unbelievable free gift, but it's in a bank account and you have no access to that? Where are you? When you confess Jesus as Lord, you receive him. You receive the blood sacrifice and you are born again. Jehovah Sitkanu comes in. A righteousness is on the inside of you. It is an instant work that you did nothing for and God moved inside you. Now that that's happened, daily you're making withdrawals from that account. Daily... I'm drawing off of that power and I'm implementing it in my life. I go to that bank and I pull out money and I buy me a new car. I go to that bank and I pull out money and I buy me a new necklace. I go to that bank and I pull out money and I buy me a new house. And everybody, whoa, that guy's a millionaire, man. Are they saying, whoa, that guy got saved. Whoa, that guy got turned on to the Lord. Why are we saying that? Because you're pulling it out and implementing it. You're making a withdrawal and you're implementing I don't have any peace. I'm mad. I go and I draw on the God of peace and I'm walking in peace. 
I'm full of worry. I go and I pull out some worry. I implement it and I walk in peace and sound mind. Whoa, that guy is saved. Why? Because I see you implementing what's invested in you, what's been deposited in you. I see you withdrawing on that on, a, on an hourly basis. I see you pulling that out of the bank account. The evidence that you were given a million dollars is by the way you live your life. And the evidence that you've been born again, the evidence that Jehovah Sitkanu has come in and lived inside you will be the way you live your life. You get mad, you're going to get mad. Doesn't matter if you're saved or if you're not saved. Doesn't matter. People make me mad. I get mad. Here's what I got to ask you. Is the old sin nature coming out or is the new righteous nature coming out? You get frustrated. I get very frustrated. Things don't work ever as fast as I wanted them to. And I just live frustrated. Okay, is my old nature going to come out or is my new nature of righteousness going to come out? You've been wronged. Let me just tell you, if you're alive in this world, you're going to be wronged. You're going to be lied about. You're going to be cheated. You're going to be You will be wronged by people. Is your carnal nature going to come out? Or is the Jehovah Sitkanu that's in you going to come out? You've accepted Jehovah Sitkanu. You've accepted that gift. He made you righteous. Now you've got to access that in your daily life. Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus. Make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Ephesians 4, 24. Put on the new self in likeness of God. Been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. Every day you wake up, you are to put on Jesus. You're to wear his righteousness as you live in his standard. Isaiah 61.10, He clothed me and wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. You have been clothed, you have been wrapped with a robe of righteousness. Now go act like the Jehovah's sit canoe that's in you. Y'all stand with me. Lord, tonight we give you praise, glory, and honor for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Lord, we thank you for being that standard of righteousness for us to pursue, for us to hunger, and for us to thirst after. Lord, as we work you out of our life in a daily way. Continue to direct us and guide us that our life is lived pleasing and according to your will and your purpose and your standard for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us each week for the CMC podcast. CMC has so much to offer. We host summer camps for all ages, a Christian school K-4 through 12th grade, youth conferences, a college-age internship, and much more. Go to cmchurch.com for more information about all the great things CMC has for you.